Hello and welcome to the first episode of Horus Heretics in 2021. I'm your host, Neil. I'm your other host, William. And today we'll be talking about No No Fear by Dan Abnett. But Will, first things first, uh, Kickstarter. What happened? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kickstarter, we hit our goal, exceeded it by a bit. Um, so the project is a go. So yeah, thanks very much to anyone who backed that or told others about it or whatever. So um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll shut up about that now, but um, <laughs> I'll probably so, give a shout when the game's actually going to come out again, if anyone wants to... To, yeah, well, yeah. Where, where is the? Where is it? Well, where is where's the, the game? Uh, where's my fucking game? <laughs> well, I was going to say we could release it in a broken form at this point, but no, we couldn't even do that. Um, <laughs> we, uh, no, uh, it'll, it'll, it will come into existence in the first third of this year. It's what oh, I was nice one. So I can say to you, we're not we're not here to talk about video games. We're here to talk about reading books. And this one, No No Fear by Dana Daddy Abnett. Um, let's get let's get let's get stuck in. That's what he's known as. That's what they call him. Um, no No Fear. Will, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Okay. So, started reading this book, and I was like, "Is this some piece of like, you know?" I thought I was reading like James Joyce or something, like or some piece of like deconstructionist uh, <laughs> literature. I was like, "What the fuck's going on here?" Right? It was like. I'm just going to take some notes here, Will, because uh, maybe for next Christmas's uh, Christmas special, we could do a Warhammer 40,000 Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, now, now I'm worried that there's, like, I'm going to get like a second year, you know, um, English lit undergrad's going to like email in and be like, well, actually, technically, James Joyce is not deconstructionist literature or something <laughs> like that. But it was look, it was a long time ago I studied these things. I didn't actually read Ulysses, even though it was on our curriculum, because uh, when I did two years of English literature, it wasn't my degree, but you know, because I was like, I've had, I'd had it after two years and did did single honors history instead. But I was meant to read it. Um, well, you, but you could easily get away without reading. This is like coming out as a massive confessional, where I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't read all, I didn't read all the books in my first and second year English literature courses. Uh, however, yeah, w- that disclaimer aside, I thought it was some kind of, it, it felt like some sort of experimental, uh, like postmodernist work of literature. Obviously, mm. you knew it wasn't that, and you're like, this is just fucking confusing. But, um, well, yeah. but that, uh, that's a very sort of eloquent way to put it. I've written down here, I have fucking tedious doggerel. That's that's how I described it. But to me, it wasn't so much the writing itself. It was like, although there were bits of bad writing, but it was like, um, but th- this is really, in- I, I think I'm really looking forward to this discussion because I find this really an interesting one, right? So at first I was like, what is going on here? This is a yep. mess, right? But then I sort of, because it introduced like character like, after character after character after character and a lot of the characters were like, you couldn't distinguish which were which, right? It was just yeah. like various different ultramarines, um, some some sort of imperial guardsmen, stuff like this, right? And you sort of had a vague handle on it. But I was like, right, I, I was just like, from the word go, at first I was like, right, this is a mess and going to be a nightmare. But yeah. then because it was so like all over the place like that, I was like, I just let myself off the hook. I was just like, fucking read on. Don't worry who's here, right? Just, yep. just, just plow on, right? And then so there's this big, um, the, the structure of this book is, <laughs> well, you you highlighted this to me before we even started. So, uh, well, I'll let you describe the 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 chapter order and structure if you if you want because you Fuck. you flagged this yeah. up initially. God, I can't even remember. It, it's like 
it's a book in seven parts each part only has like three or four chapters normally but no, it's more screwed up than that even right it's like well i think it's six parts it might be seven but some of you're making it well you were maybe sorry about to follow this up with something else and say yeah, the actual, like the uh you said like oh most of them have like three or four chapters but no like the first one has seven yeah the second second one has three the third one has three i think the next one has like i've not read it yet because we've only read parts one to three if not read three to six well i haven't anyway but um it's uh it's like loads again it's like nine or something so, mm. and then so i guess at least it sort of mirrors the first half in a way but uh yeah it's bizarre isn't it and and what's really confounding about it is that it doesn't really go the chapters really don't matter because it's all done by a sort of it's meant to be like a log almost where um it's a log of events that are scattered all over uh calf that i guess we can get into it. it's set on uh an ultramarine planet calf which is a fairly like new planet in ultramar but um, because of its importance and its uh, manufactories and stuff, it's becoming one of the key sort of production worlds. And it's getting its own, It's there's possibilities of getting its own uh, tetrarch. So all of Ultramar is governed by four tetrarchs. And they're thinking Kalth could be important enough to have another one of those. So uh, it's one of the five most important planets in all of Ultramar. Yeah. Um, and And it's all set in... A log of events that happened um, during this muster of the ultramarines and the word bearers before the um, the heresy is known, and because of that, it doesn't read like a book. It reads like a diary, sort of of you know something like that. Well, well, I'm going to get into this, right? But like, the, I mean, that framing is a bit silly in the sense of some of the stuff that. Uh, happens in the book, such as one bit where it's like, uh, and so and so shot, like one of these imperial guards shot the enemy, and this was actually the first kill of the you know on the loyalist side of this conflict. But mm. you know, but it wasn't. It's not recorded for posterity, except according to the framing, this is the recording for posterity that we are reading yeah i mean yeah exactly that um, this this is a uh, this is is said to be a a document uh, that that describes the chronology of the of the treachery of the word bearers yeah and um it's strange and that's an important important thing to point out first is another like sort of framing or or structural device in this book is like uh, the idea of um like so, Ultramarines, they're a big thing about them, or, or their Primarch. I don't know how to say his name, but Robot Gilliman. Gilliman. Uh, well, how do you say his first name, though? Reboot? I've, I've been going Rebute. <laughs> Rebute. Uh, <laughs> I but, I, I, <laughs> you know, just kind of a, a flourish on the end there, you know? Um, but uh, Gilliman, I think, is fairly straightforward. Okay, so Gilliman. I'm, Gilliman, yeah. right? So, um, so Gilliman, you know, reflecting his legion, they're all about codified warfare, and he's particularly all about like information. It's like every detail is important when you're trying to, um, you know, analyze the the battlefield and and what your plan's going to be and all this 
stuff, right? So, um, fuck, I've forgotten where I'm going with this. Anyway, so so this like this is kind of you know the I guess the 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 framing of the book is kind of about it's a sort of example of the type of thing they record, right? And one of the yeah. things they use to chronologically structure that is like the idea of the like it's a mark of like the the, the engagement is like a sort of timestamp for yeah. Um, that, that's a good way of putting it it's like a sort of a time stamp in a chat log or something like that um all counting down towards the moment where everything kicks off and then after that counting up away from that yeah and like so so most of what we read so far is like minus whatever on the timestamp because they the 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 sort of zero point is like when they consider the when the ultramarines like choose to engage in a battle or, or whatever you know uh, that's, mm. so that's point zero and then it counts up but most of what we've read is time stamped using the system as minus whatever right yeah. so like at first i was like this is just annoying and confusing and means nothing to me uh, and and it doesn't doesn't read doesn't make for a novel however right exactly i'm glad you said that because i thought that as well i thought i ever too good right because i mean we'll get into the sort of specifics of the story but I think it, it, we might as well discuss some of this stuff right now. I actually thought, right, so so all these things that seemed pretty bad at first, and I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is a struggle. This is hard to get mm-hmm. into. Um, can't really latch on to any of these characters. I'm annoyed by this weird arbitrary structure, right? And then, but once I, once I kind of got past those feelings, right, like I say, I sort of liberated myself from actually paying much attention to who the individual characters were right mm-hmm. and um and there wasn't really like it was actually quite mercifully um sort of short on some of the really boring uh like sort of long spells with characters and their really sort of cod philosophical musings about things <laughs> wasn't wasn't much of that in here right which was actually great and actually the whole thing was really like it was cinematic in its kind of approach, I think you know what I mean. It was like uh-huh. it was jumping through these different scenes, and it's like it reminded me of like a, the feeling of like a film where um, you know something's bad coming up, like a disaster movie or something. You know, and like people are like, you know, someone's detected that you know some comet is flying slightly off it, and you're like, it's got a sort of um, what's the word for like uh, ensemble cast? Is that the word for? Yeah, you, oh, you, right, you know, yeah it's yeah. not really one star. It's just kind of um, lots of lots of different perspectives and like uh you know there's some things are seeming slightly off and it's all kind of building up to this point after which the narrative will all sort of flip on that and it'll all be about responding to this disaster and that's kind of mostly what we've read so far is 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 that kind of building up to a thing and actually like once you sort of start getting into that then like the the timestamp thing actually started working for me and i was like this is really giving me a sense of momentum and kind of like impending yeah. You know, you know what's coming. You know what's coming because you've seen it a lot of times uh, in other forums in this series. Obviously, you know what's coming, and you've even heard about this battle before. You know, like um, yeah. But uh, but it really worked for me, and this was actually like something we've complained about before. Is like you sort of just get told that like these betrayals that involve that that make up the heresy were these massive, you know, unprecedented things. No one expected them, and they were in this book. Um, actually entirely sort of or so far spends its time trying to just um, depict, recreate that moment of betrayal in the proper scale that yep. and, we're told and about the, it works. And the, the 
stupefaction that the uh, ultramarines feel and they are like the, their strength the space marine strength b- uh, before this has been their sort of iron will and absolute knowledge of you know a few fundamental facts and one of those fundamental facts is loyalty and whenever that's been broken they it, it actually like is a complete weakness of theirs because they some of them these like uh, ultramarines these crazy good warriors literally ask what do we do <laughs> like they don't know that so many of them are killed in the instance of the, the treachery being revealed and them not knowing what to do or what to say or how to act and it's um it's really good i've, I've got a few things that i want to um add on to what you've just said there yeah but i think i'd like to sort of get into the story a little bit before yeah. i i sort of um give a few examples of why i i i I totally totally agree with you um but it'll be interesting to just get go forward so um one a lot of the characters as will said are completely unimportant well the characters are unimportant not the sort of events that happen around them um one we we get introduced to this guy called lucio who um is a, a a friend of a word bearer called Chure and um, they are sort of the only friends in this muster that's happening. Well, it's um, word bearers and ultramarines getting together. They're being sent uh, to kill some orcs um, on a big joint mission by Horus and everybody knows it as a bit of overkill. Um, But uh, there's a lot of different reasons why they think this is happening. Is it um, Horace sort of flexing his muscles a bit and saying that my only challenger in the role of Warmaster was Gilliman and I'm ordering him around? But then there is also the thing that we read about in a previous book. The word bearers were sort of beaten down uh, and humiliated by the Ultramarines um, on the say-so of the Emperor. And they destroyed Monarchia, their favorite planet, and all that kind of stuff. So, was it uh, an attempt to sort of reforge bonds and and reforge brotherhood and stuff like that? But that's that's what the Ultramarines think, maybe. And um, it's a sort of uh, the muster is happening. So, all of these legions, all of this preparation, um, all of the tanks, all of the Mechanicum. Um, all the the astro militarum everything it's a really sort of good description of um the chaos and the work that goes into um the the mustering for for warfare uh but anyway lucille and and chure are uh friends and are really the only friends between the two legions and so they see their role as being quite uh, ambassadorial, that their friendship can somehow be used to spread further friendship and stuff. Now, there was a description of Lucille, and when I read this, this is really early on, and when I read this, I was like, this is going to be terrible. And it described him as being um, as tall as one big man on another big man's shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that is... That is world-shatteringly terrible, right? <laughs> um, 
but that was really the the last example of of bad writing and Wait. there were a few examples later on that i thought i could have given as bad writings but i was so on board with the story that i was like i think this works in context yeah and i think you know we've gone over this in in some detail before like you know we we, we get that like these books are probably written at speed and um you know compared to, to a lot of books and um and, and you know it does certainly seem like some of the bits that don't seem so good are like you know just with a bit of editing they could have been tidied up uh yeah so i wanted to talk a little bit about um gilliman as well um he has as you say he he's like writing aphorism aphorisms in his book and um he again another primark wanting to be a writer um and he seems to be like he's called the most human of the primarchs um it's sort of a strange interesting um comment about him and also another kind of act of stupidity of the emperor in putting you know subdividing all of these people or like subdividing the sort of uh, uh core ideologies of a lot of different things so we've got like the angry one over here we've got the magical one over here and we've got the human one over here it just seems <laughs> very very strange thing to do but um what he uh he, he's sort of seen as the golden boy of all of his brothers and because of that nobody really likes him and he's like super aware of that because right? he's he's the ruler of the 500 worlds it's been reasonably easy for him and uh it's all you know it's all pretty easy and therefore the other primarchs do not like him and it, there's a really fun bit where um he says that what he's most looking forward to is like creating a, a classification system for all of his writings did you did you get that <laughs> yeah, now, yeah as a as a sort of librarian and stuff i am 100 percent on board with him but and uh, I, what i i suppose i'll go back to a point that you made is that one thing i i also thought that this um sort of timestamp system was really annoying um but as it got closer, I it it really worked as a means to be like, right, so the Ultramarines and Gilliman at their head are all about information feed and understanding the sort of lay of the land and the battle sphere and stuff. And this, as it jumped around, as it included all of these different people, some of them Ultramarines, some of them word bearers, some of them the Primarchs, some of them um, like just normal army soldiers talking about wanting to get home and seeing their uh girlfriend and stuff like that um it all did really good job of like first off showing the the chaos of a muster uh showing all of these different sort of confusing contradictory and counter entangling uh information feeds that gilliman is sort of he's over all of these he's reading them he's listening to them all and uh, making plans based on that and also um doing a really good job of of like showing the confusion of all of that stuff and um as you say the the timestamp really did give a good job of like giving you that countdown and, and always moving you through this story 
um, and it's the first time in this series where you know the the non-traditional non-chronological uh, structure of the book really works I think yeah I mean I guess it was like chronological you know highly oh yeah chronological. no you're right yeah yeah um, no you're you're absolutely right but, I suppose but, but, but it still not, was an unconventional yeah like, yeah it, it's of, um it's not um uh what's what's the word for that um it it jumps all around let's say yeah. and um you following the threads of each individual story arc is not really what you're meant to do you're meant to just follow one chronological arc and just sort of piece it together in your mind almost without really following the individual strands and I, and I, like, I, that's what sort of as I say gave it a really cinematic feel which I thought really highlighted the strengths rather than the weaknesses of what these books are often like you know like often the characters are quite shit um, mm-hmm. um, but the action and the drama and the epic scale of things um, you know it is 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 often you know very well written the description of like you know you just you just said it there like this this um, mustering process and the sheer numbers of people and and there's just loads in that there's really like it's just mm-hmm. a really vivid um you know descriptively like dan abnett can be quite good and just like has these little details that can really um you know just conjure up a mental image really effectively just add an, uh, an extra yeah. detail on things and obviously he's specifically so in the context of like you know military sci-fi um yeah. and like that's this book sort of concentrates on being like an action movie of a book rather than <laughs> a slightly you know um like just uh shit sort of like intellectual book you know what i mean like mm. um not that these books any and i don't really think they're intellectual but they do sort of um go into topics that you could you could write something really weighty on but in a way that's like sort of half arse and just a waste of your time you know like um and so, some no sometimes there are some interesting ideas in here i don't mean to say there's not but like just sometimes um well you just spend I, I, too I, much time i was going to say that um it just feels really called philosophical i think is something you said before when it's done badly in those other ones because this is um well written and believable in in my eyes at least um i think the the interesting philosophical arguments that do come up hit far harder than in those other field efforts yeah rather than Uh, spend like read through a whole chapter of two brothers like um, you know, engaging in some back and forth discourse while sparring yeah. in the practice cages and being like, "Well, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, that's your your words cut me like the blade that we are fighting with." <laughs> oh, fuck off! Uh, but like, there's like there's this character who I don't know how important he is. I, there are a lot of characters who aren't important, literally aren't, because they die. They're just like killed really early on. But there's this character called uh, all he's um, a human and he, he's come to Calf. um and he's been recruited like as a colonist to come to the like the rim of the empire to sort of push the boundary of the empire forward so he's like a, a proper colonist in that sense and he used to be part of the uh, astro militarum and he's out of that now and he just wants like his own land and he wants you know to be part of of spreading 
the the good news of of the emperor and the empire itself and it's like just a really interesting part like it, it says that he forms part of that wave that come behind the forefront of the crusade as the crusade pushes out the colonists come and sort of seed the ground that the crusade has has won and that's just a like a type of character that we haven't seen yeah and uh i was just like oh god i really want more of this i i was just fascinated by so much of it yeah i think i think that's a good point you make like there was there was a even though like with the focus of this book being the sort of this ticking clock of this impending betrayal and disaster you know it's coming and very action focused very description focused for its sort of central thrust like in amongst that that actually like that actually um did now that i think back on it you know leave space for like what you've talked about the little character vignettes that shone through you know like much more vividly sometimes than characters who are described much greater detail in, in mm-hmm. other books in this series. So, uh, yeah, you've got that guy, this, this sort of guy that's an ex-soldier, now sort of a farmer colonist on this planet. Um, you've got the the guy who's the actual soldier in another one of the narratives, and he's he's got his sort of, um, his his wife. He, 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 he just he, wants he, to be, like, being a soldier is not massively important to that guy, you know? Yeah, and he wants to be with her, but then it comes through that, like, He's actually like some of the, like when this shit starts kicking off, it's like um, he sort of has this realization about that relationship that he was like, you know, actually he doesn't really love her. He just sort of got caught up in the yeah in like the sort of romance and and you know being a soldier has to go away. And he felt like um, you know any commitment he made, like looking back on it, he's like, well, I didn't really. He made that because he knew he didn't need to worry about it for very long because whatever happened, he'd be away, you know, in service or whatever. So like. It was just like, you know, it was just a subtle, unusual, like mm-hmm. thing for there to be. It just added a bit of character, you know. Like, you, like it was already quite interesting. Just him lamenting, leaving her behind because he was meant to meet her at this point during mustering, but he couldn't because his unit got called away somewhere else or something like that. And that was already quite a quite an interesting bit of detail. But then they sort of added in this thing about him, you know, um, questioning whether he like. Well, actually, sort of having this what he is described as a moment of realization that you know actually he just got sort of swept up in the romance of that and like this sort of experience has sort of brought all his worldview like um he's gonna say back down to earth but that's that's a bit on the nose for what we're about to describe Mm. um but um yeah you know like brought it crashing down essentially and i thought that was quite neat and there's other little bits and pieces like that yeah so there's there there are a lot of strings um in this uh storyline so we won't go into all of them there's a few that we probably should that um there's this this pair of of ultramarines ventanus and uh what's the other guy called celaton so something like that yeah i can look it up uh let me just celaton it is celaton um and they uh, go to the, this place called the Hollow Fusicon, which is a very amusing name. Um, and they meet, uh, they've gone to sort of uh, settle some ruffled feathers and um, perform a sort of bureaucratic function, really. And there's a, an awful lot of stuff um, about how they are, they, they all know they're being trained for their life after warfare. Yeah. And some. 
sort of slightly push against that, or at least they know it's necessary, but they know it's also not their individual strengths. Uh, but Gilliman has, has is showing them how to do it, um, and they're going to sort of uh, s- smooth some ruffled feathers that will uh, speed up the um, the muster just by a little bit. And they meet uh, this tetrarch Lamiad, and he's in this museum, essentially a museum of humanity's future endeavors, really, because it's it's empty, and he sort of talks in really glowing terms about what an empty museum means and how it's um, it's sort of a hopeful, ambitious um, look to the future because they, they know that after this crusade with the emperor beside them, they, you know, humanity will create this wonderful new culture and we have a museum uh, ready for all of its wonders, which is, is really ambitious and in a way is... is you know, kind of hopeful, and um, there is something to like there, but obviously is very traditionally imperial, yeah. Yeah. In, <laughs> in, in, in as much as all you know museums of that kind are. Yeah, um, but, but no, it's I, interesting nonetheless. Yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I think that was an interesting bit where it's like, yeah, I mean, like deeply imperial. It's like we haven't even destroyed the cultures that we're <laughs> going to take the stuff from to put in here yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly can't you see it can't you see it in the stars all oh, millions of cultures to crash <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no like I, I get certainly from from their worldview it's like a hopeful thing you know like yeah they're going to, from their sort of worldview and like in in sort of removed from the context of sort of intergalactic um you know uh, military uh, conquest such a museum would be quite a nice thing you know if you just had a space you're like you know we're just this, you know, in, in real life, I mean, if you had like a, a community, it was like, you know, we, I don't know, say if a town had just been built and they had a museum there and it was like, we're going to fill this up with stuff that emerges from this town as it goes on. Yeah, it would be quite a nice idea. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, we're, we're, we're saying lots of good things about this book, but you, I, I meant to add this in when you were talking about bad lines and this is a bad line, but it's also just sort of perfect in the context of this book. It's... Um, to tell Robute Gilliman, the Primarch, the Primarch with the least to prove how to do his duty, that takes balls of adamantium. <laughs> <laughs> what the thing that Gilliman sort of the, the, the formation of all of this is that he gets informed of a piece of scrap code, which is an unusual data issue in the orbital defense grid which apparently is like one of the most um awesome amounts of firepower more more even than is at the fingertips of horus um in terms of like what you know like what you can do with pushing a button because i was reading that thinking well that doesn't make sense you know like and because it said more possible even than than terra but i think yeah it was describing this mechanicum guy like in terms of what you could immediately access, you know what I mean? That's like, yeah. The, so not like all the, not necessarily more in total than like all the warships under the Emperor's no. command or whatever, but just in terms of this connected array of weaponry. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's needed because all, obviously all of the um, ultramarine ships are sort of powered down and, you know, they're taking. Uh, 
supplies and weaponry and all that kind of stuff up and so are not at a war footing and there's this scrap code problem um and gilliman decides to take um hest who is a a mechanicum magos um he is sort of at the center of all of this and has a sort of um human overview of it all uh but gilliman decides to take him out of that human overview status and give it to machines in order to to do that so that the magos can you know track down the scrap code problem and eliminate it um which is really the source of all of these uh problems um and will we will we move on to the sort of the the big thing that happens now is that yeah do you think we're at that point i, I just want to make one more point before we go on it's about yeah. um you referred earlier to the, you know talking about gilliman being the most human and like this all the primarchs having different characteristic characteristics and this was just like a line i thought was funny um like even like so it goes down to like when it was narrowed down to four um so and then ultimately it was only going to be Horus or Gilliman. But then it talks about of the first two of those four. It says Dorn was too, too draconian and Sanguinius too ethereal. Like uh, mm-hmm. imagine getting like turned down for a job interview for being too ethereal. <laughs> like what? The, what does that mean? What? I was, sit- <laughs> I was sitting in a chair in front of you, mate. <laughs> Which then led me to a thought, just as I was about to say that, like, for one of our, uh, if we do a future, like, bonus episode where we want to make up some stupid story, we could have the story of the interview process for Warmaster. <laughs> oh, that sounds very fun. <laughs> anyway, sorry, yeah, let's go on to the... Um, yeah, so, um, it's all kicked off, and this is one of those kind of slightly boring conversations that you mentioned before, but it was very short, so I, I let it off, but... Lucille and Ture are sort of having a big dinner party um, with like lots of other of their their respective legions and uh, chapter serfs and stuff. And um, Ture says that like Lorgar, he's despised Lorgar for years. And Lucille is shocked by that, shocked. And he uh, talks about that there's been fighting on Istvan and you're going to learn something pretty interesting fairly soon, but uh, not right now. And he, he talks about a new, them discovering a new type of warfare, which is based on treachery. Um, that treachery, the breaking down of moral codes and bonds, there's a, a power there. And Lucio goes, well, yes, insofar as your opponent will be shocked. And Jure says, no, 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 something really much deeper than that. And takes out his plasma pistol and shoots him through the chest. And uh, then all of them are dead uh, because they literally, they can't fight back. They're so shocked. They don't know what to do. And like, all yeah. while... Yeah, all, all his like other word bearers that follow him were like at the dinner where they were like already on his sort of signal to shoot their yeah. counterparts. They all, you you, you kind of think they're in like really nice suits, but um they just like open up their jacket and they've got like fucking machine guns strapped to their backs and you just all take them out and just kill everybody um all while this has been happening there's a ship called the campanile and it has been it just like puts its void shields up accelerates and drives itself through the middle of uh, one of these shipyards and it takes out the uh this enormous orbital um defense system 
in one go because the machines that took over have been destroyed and then it sets off this really like amazing uh debris sort of chain reaction of things piling into the next thing into the next thing setting off explosions which eat into the next thing and you have like ships exploding uh enormous ships like 20 mile long ships just falling backwards uh into the atmosphere and like plying like mile wide uh trenches uh in the planet's surface and this isn't just like oh and then this happened and then this happened so much time is given to the absolute chaos of this situation and it's fucking brilliant yeah you get, you get the impression that dan abnett really enjoyed you know he just thought right right rub my hands gonna sit down and write the whole long sequence of what happens when this uh ship like shoots towards the planet smashes into loads of other ships in the way blows them up and like it's absolute carnage and lots and lots and lots of detail and you would like it kind of sounds like it might be bad and boring but it's actually really well written and like yeah. well just like really engaging and like i say very cinematic and you can sort of um you know, it really it, fe- it it feels huge yeah yeah and and that's how it should be it is like it's like a yeah it's like a disaster movie in you know book form this for basically a large part of what we read is kind of is the fallout from this yeah the disaster this thing initially happening and then it's like everyone on the planet seeing the stuff happening yeah there's this this really like there's and it's weird stuff there's like plumes of of uh, light as as um warp cores go like nova and and everyone's seeing that and then there's a rain of tanks yeah as um one of the mechanicum ships bearing all of these tanks and these tanks full super heavy tanks just like rain down and smash onto the ground and then it rains people and all of these things that would be stunning and there's a really nice bit where um it says that when one of these gargantuan ships is sort of given scale beside the normal landscape it it seems so abnormal yeah. and so impossible and you can see why everyone is sort of disarmed by all of this utter craziness yeah. um it works really spectacularly well i thought so everyone's just like stunned by this disaster and and, and you know they start trying to work out what's um what's happening basically you know what's what's caused this there's some chat that it might be you know related to the scrap code um but no one you know no one amongst the ultramarines is even thinking this is an attack by the word bearers at first um but then then well obviously the guy that got shot in the face he knows it's an attack by the word bearers but like um but the you know people down on the planet um but then uh like a word bearer Warbearer ships start just sort of methodically um, scuttling, like the the ultramarine ships, and yep. they they had all been sort of ready. They'd been like charged up and ready to go, whereas the ultramarine ships were all just like they were just sitting dormant, like as part of the muster. You know, like they were yeah. they'd take them like a you know a long time, well an hour or something, just to charge up basically and be ready for for use. Um, so so they were all kind of sitting ducks and they start blowing them up and then even then like Gilliman's like 
oh, they must have perceived some threat from us that wasn't there. Yeah. You know? um, and, and, and so he said, he, he like, he's saying, don't fire back, just to, like put up your shields, but don't fire back. Yeah, and he's, he's sort of getting a message out to, to, um, you send a message out to, to Orger, um, and, um, Orgar, um, and, uh, and then down on the planet, you've got, yeah, all the characters we've dealt with. Apart from like, one of the characters that we didn't go into is is like one of the bad guys, um, like one of the he's like one of a cultist of the word bearers or whatever. And I thought this guy's background is quite funny because it's like it sort of described that he was just like into like joining sort of cults and stuff. Yeah, and like yeah. he wasn't really necessarily that committed to this cult. He just wanted to find the best fucking cult that with the like, yeah, yeah, exactly. weirdest shit. And like this was it. He'd, you know, he he found others, became <laughs> part of them took what they had their good shit and then made sure that he destroyed them and killed everyone before looking for the next good one it was good like it was really great like he was just a joiner you know and whenever something stopped being fun he just disappeared it's good <laughs> so he he was he's carrying out some ritual but most of the other characters we see are, are on the sort of loyalist ultramarine side and um and uh yeah so the guy like the there's a mechanicum guy who'd been overseeing like all the ships and no the like gun system defense the defense thing yeah hest yeah and he he got he gets like fried by the is it the scrap code it does for him yeah the scrap or or like being so close to all of the destruction while being attached to the system who knows you know that kind of thing yeah it just all starts kicking off basically and everyone's yeah. everyone's panicking and um and then we get a series of moments of like people actually coming face to face with the betrayal um, yeah which are again mostly or in their totality anyway they, they, they to me actually did a much better job of conveying the depth and the shock and the substance of this betrayal rather than well we've we've said so so many times where it's just like uh at the start of the book it says betrayal is impossible it's impossible it's the worst thing that could happen but it can't happen therefore it's fine and then it does happen and then someone just goes oh mate we've been betrayed anyway guns up let's get killing (laughs) um not not in this not in this one like it's you know they forget that they have guns you know it's yeah. really it's it's well done it is well done and then so like and the latter part of what we've read so far so we we finally get to point zero um yeah in in the in the the mark thing the timer thing and that's when like so gilliman has like tried to send out this message saying Lorgar, you know talk to me like we can sort this out and and all this and then um then he gets a bit of information that I can't remember exactly what it is, but he basically figures out um, that it it's is the, a betrayal. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he's like, he phones up Warger, phones him up. He's like, <laughs> he contacts him and he's like, "Fuck you, we're gonna yeah. you know, start firing now." And um, they have a little bit of a exchange of insults, and like Gilliman's coming out with loads of yeah, you know, he's coming out with loads of but like he's, he's he's swearing at him, and like yeah. the the level of anger is is honest it's palpable i don't think that's ever really come across before uh, gilliman has been like his like absolute pragmatism has been like shattered by this and he's just going like yeah well you're a fucking prick yeah well uh, you know like he's just like uh, 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 
you fucker, you fucking bastard, you fucker. You know, you just like, you know, when you're that angry and you just, you just only swear words will do. <laughs> and, and then Lorgar, Lorgar calls him, and this is a quote, a giant pompous arsehole. <laughs> 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 and I, I was sort of punching the air at that point. That's that was absolutely right. That was the right line. And so, but, uh, yeah, and he's been the sort of usual, pretty much the usual kind of sneering villain and saying, "Ooh, we've got you, got the mm-hmm. you know, got the level-headed um, uh, Gilliman worked up, haven't we?" And all this sort of chat. Yeah. And like, down, oh, have I got under your skin, brother? You just oh, fuck off, Lorgar. Like. Down on the the planet, um, there's so like some of the ultramarines we've talked about. They, um, like the the pair of them, Ventanus and the other guy, they um, they get fired on by um, you know the word bearers, and then there's 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 a pretty good action scene where the two of them, um, like they take out a Terminator. Is that the? Yeah, yeah. They start fighting back and they they kill some like traitor soldiers or whatever they yeah, are. Yeah, it's superb then, that scene. And then there was a, yeah a, a, a Terminator, um, a word bearer's Terminator, and and then it, so that's sort of um, them starting to fight back. And then on so in this conversation with Orgar and Gilliman, and there's a lot of deeply chaosy shit they've got going. I mean, obviously we know the word bearers are like they're sort of deep in it from an early stage, and they yeah. have, instead of the normal Vox casters, they have these sort of like warp vials on. Their- on their wrists that transmit messages like via the warp and then and also like after that conversation between Gilliman and um or at the end of that conversation between Gilliman and Warg like Warger's like saying some shit and Gilliman's like ah fuck off mate and like turns his back (laughs) or like and then Warger's like oh one more thing and then like transforms into a demon uh, (laughs) and like blows up or causes an explosion on the bridge an explosion of blood explosion (laughs) <laughs> uh, on the bridge of um, the the like flagship, and, and like, it explodes to the uh, to space, like the 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 bridge the bridge windows to yeah. vacuum to the vacuum. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's like where it left us, and like up to that point, like Gilliman was so enraged that he was like he was telling his like um, his like the rest of his you know the Legion, and he's like I've sketched out a quick tactical plan, so all you guys follow this, but I'm going straight for. Wargar's ship because I'm fucking angry. Um, and that's and he, he says, uh, this is the wrong tactical move, but I'm going to do it. Don't try and stop me. And then the other guy goes, no, no, I'm not going to try and stop you. I just want to come with you. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was fun. And so, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, there, there is a lot of shit we could go into. Yeah, we, I, stuff, but. I was worried about like writing, you know, writing down each story arc as it went past but as you say it's like it don't follow all the story arcs you'll you'll get the totality of it whether you follow the names or not but uh yeah but that's i i fucking really enjoyed that zipped through most of it yeah got reading yeah and like um really enjoyed it nice quite like as much as as weird as the 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 the, the chapter sort of structure is the chapters seemed quite nice and small like um yeah. and and uh, uh which sort of suited the book i thought and it just zipped along and yeah and i, I was thinking during this because we've got word bearers it's it's the the absolute sort of it's it's over the start and just after 
the moment of the heresy itself. And so we're going to get, I think we're going to get some good demon action. And it's, it's just been ages since we've had a good demon trans, uh, transformation, <laughs> hasn't it? Yeah, I think... I, I can't mean, remember the last time we had one. I'm really looking forward to part two of this book. Um, because we've got Erebus, we've got Corferon, we've got Lorgar. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some sermons. There's going to be some tattooing. Maybe some uh, scripture written on skin, parchment. All of that. That's in That's in, in store for next in the next two weeks. Well, remember, there was already a guy crucified on the leg of a titan um, oh yeah that was good poor old decretus um and and the, i mean there was like the violence really started kicking off like in terms of the close-up depictions of people's heads getting misted and stuff like that that really <laughs> yeah. that really uh, towards the last the end of the bit we've read there was a lot of that going on um and and i think the the second half is surely can be nothing but absolute carnage warfare for 200 pages um, and I can't really see what else it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. we go. So, um, yeah. So, thanks everyone for listening. Um, you can reach us at horusheretics at gmail.com. Um, and uh, tell, if everyone tells one person about the podcast, most of them won't listen, but some <laughs> of them will. And, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, that would be good. Let's get a few more listeners going. Anyway, uh, we'll be back in two weeks with the final part of No No Fear. I think it's clear that we both love this one and we're really looking forward to it. So yep. until then, we'll sign off. Yep, see you next time. Bye.